Scishow Tangents is brought to you by Shopify. Hank, when you started your career as <laughs> the internet science man, was opening an online store something that you were really thinking that hard about or something you thought you'd do in a billion years? I was uh, making a shop before I was the internet science man. Oh, what? That was the first thing I did. I was that first. Wow, I got to learn my Hank history. How did that go for you? <laughs> Good. I'll, here's what I'll tell you. Like the the the... The part where we start selling a thing and you get to see the number go up is so exciting. And uh, when it's just like you uh, by yourself, you got to be careful. But luckily, (laughs) Shopify has all kinds of little tools to help you with that, to help you with increasing conversions, to help you with managing orders, with customer support, with all of the stuff. Uh, Because it's a, you know. I don't know. It feels like the industry standard. And so there are all kinds of plugins that you can use to make your Shopify work for you in particular. That's right. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from vlogging in your parents' basement to treading the boards of Carnegie Hall. Now, it was my basement. It was my (laughs) basement of my own home that I was renting. (laughs) Downstairs of. (laughs) If you say so. From your first sale to your one millionth, Shopify is here to help you grow. And they've got a proven track record, my friends. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and powers entrepreneurs in 175 countries. They have, as Hank mentioned, the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And they have award-winning customer service because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tangents, all lowercase tangents. Go to shopify.com slash tangents now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S, all lowercase. Welcome to SciShow Tangents, the lightly competitive knowledge showcase starring some of the geniuses that make the YouTube series SciShow happen. This week, as always, I'm joined by Stefan Chin. Hello. How's your week going, master of producing? Uh, Well, I took the last four days off, so I've been playing a lot of video games. (laughs) (laughs) What's your tagline? Uh, Swedish melodic death metal. Ooh. To go with the... Topic. topic, which we haven't discussed yet. <laughs> yeah. Sam Schultz is also here. Hello. Artist and mm. and magician, Sam Schultz. Yes, and what else? <laughs> <laughs> you do a magic trick for us? Oh. Uh, Whoa! <laughs> so magic. That was neat. Gosh, yeah. wow. I, I wouldn't have expected you would have been able to pull that one off so fast. <laughs> What's your tagline? These pretzels are making me thirsty. Oh, <laughs> that's the whole thing about them. Sari Riley is also here. I am. How you doing? I'm okay. I was in an airport. Well, three airports all day yesterday. Um, so. so what's your tagline? Uh, shoot me through that salmon cannon. Whoa. Ooh, please, please. That's the noise yeah. it makes. And I'm Hank Green. I just ate a really big cookie made for me by two men named Lenny and Larry. And my tagline Ooh. is vasculated hair. Ooh. <laughs> what does vasculated mean? Vasculated is like an area of tissue that has blood vessels. Oh, gross. So imagine every hair. Just has a little blood vessel in it. Yeah. Oh, your hair would be really heavy, right? Oh, yeah. It'd be like yeah. nice and lustrous, though, I Ooh. think. Uh, 
take better care of itself, that's for sure, than these dead protein strands that I have to, like, spend money buying products to condition. I need to be conditioned. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Every week here on SciShow Tangents, we try to get together to one-up, amaze, and delight each other with science facts. We're playing for glory, but we're also keeping score. And we award Hank Bucks from week to week. We keep track of who's who's leading. We do everything we can to stay on topic, but judging by previous conversations and all the blood hair talk we just had, we won't be great at that. So if the rest of the team deems you tangent unworthy from this point forward, we can force you to give up a Hank Buck. So tangent with care. Who's winning, Sam? All right. So in last place is Stefan with 47 points. Still last? Second to last place, Sari with 49 points. Mm. Tied for first. Sam and Hank. Oh, wow. 52 points. was coming up on me. Well, maybe you didn't update it. No, I did. Okay. All right. Now, as always, it's time to introduce the topic with the traditional science poem this week from Sari Riley. There are certain objects we treasure and covet that help us express the feeling of it when magic things happen or we see a nugget of kindness or truth or we simply love it. But if I say (laughs) that something is worth its weight in tin, it sounds off like a cobalt mine of information. Do you want to strike pewter or go for the lead? If I had a heart of calcium, I'd likely be dead. (laughs) Silence is lithium or iron or zinc. Doesn't capture the same feeling, I think. Or all that glitters is not brass. Sounds like I'm talking out of my ass. (laughs) Though precious metals are precious because that's what we're told. Shiny, rare, and expensive. It's hard to replace gold. Oh, wow, wow Sari. That was really good. Was there were so many elements. And brass. Oh, and brass. And yeah. brass. <laughs> <laughs> and pewter. Pewter's an oh, alloy, pewter's, too. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Uh, so our topic for the day is precious metals, which sounds subjective. Yeah, it is. Okay, just is making it, sure. Is it totally rare? It seems like to well, me there was something about how reactive or not reactive they were oh. was important to it too. But maybe that's just not really true either. I think when you're trying to draw a hard box, you're going to find some some wiggles outside okay. of the hard box. But like precious in that they are valuable. Is that really all it is? I think so. It's okay. like rare, naturally occurring metal that is valuable according to humans. And so, mm-hmm. like, our idea of precious metals have probably changed over time. Well, I'm saying probably have definitely changed over time. Right. Because right. right now, we value things like gold and silver and platinum, palladium. Oh, palladium. I don't really think about palladium much except for, like, catalysts. Yeah, but, but I guess, industrial uses. Yeah, and so those are, name. like, the four that keep coming up for modern-day precious mm-hmm. metals. Mm-hmm. But... What other ones did we used to have? Was copper precious once upon a time? Was aluminum? Aluminum was. Copper, probably. Bronze in the Bronze Age. Yeah. Iron, probably at some point when we only. In the Iron Age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the copper in the copper age. <laughs> the stone was a precious you know? metal in the stone age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It seems like the precious label is just like yeah. humans like it. Okay. It looks and nice. And it looks pretty. Yes. And okay. that has something to do with its chemical properties, but something to do with this arbitrary societal construct of we decided of, to say. Yeah, of value. And also, like, I think that it's to some extent it's you like they, these are elements that are used as storage of economic value. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like for a very long time, we turned it into jewelry and coins and we're like, here are our coins. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. now for the rest of human history, we're going to have this association between right. these metals and value. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Sari, thank you for helping us figure out this subjective thing and also for your really, really great, really great science poem that I feel like should be published in a book. Uh-huh. Oh. Oh. 
Are we making a book? Maybe we should, we should make, make a book. I'm going to be on our Kickstarter. <laughs> Sideshow Tangents Kickstarter. It's a poetry book. Yeah, for, for when you're pooing, you've yeah. got poetry. Yeah. I thought it was just poetry about poo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we're going to start with... <laughs> Sam Schultz has brought in three science facts for our education and enjoyment, but only one of those facts is true, and we have to guess or know... Which one is the true fact to get ourselves a Hank Buck? And if we get fooled, Sam gets the Hank Buck. Sam, yeah, hit us with those facts. Okay. In the field of consumer products, silver nanoparticles seem to be having a bit of a moment. Uh, <laughs> silver's antibacterial properties make it an excellent additive to things like wound dressings, kitchen utensils, toothpaste, mm-hmm. clothing, washing machines, like anything that you don't want to have bacteria They just on put it. it in washing machines? Yeah, so that was, this is a crazy thing I read. There's washing machines that are advertised as not needing to have hot water to clean the clothes oh. because they have these plates in them that electrode off like nanoparticles, nanoparticles that are supposedly mm. supposed to clean all your laundry without using hot water. Yeah, so, love it. So they're like really useful in a lot of situations, but there is concern from scientists that introducing tons of silver nanoparticles is maybe having unforeseen consequences. Mm-hmm. Which of these is a side effect of nanoparticles being introduced into consumer products and then into the world at large? Okay. Mm. Number one, the nanoparticles when uh, in the human body can cause intestinal problems, low blood pressure, mm-hmm. psoriasis, and can even end up deposited in the cornea, leading to a silver ring around the eye. Ooh. A silver that ring sounds... around like the visible part of the eye? Like awesome. I can see it? Yeah. That'd be great. Like you can see it. Ooh. You'd look so bad. It does sound really cool, but probably not good for you. Yeah. Number two, the nanoparticles can enter cells and oxidize, becoming a cytotoxin that destroys the cell. Or number three, the nanoparticles wipe out beneficial bacteria in rivers, leading to an overabundance in nutrients and causing algae blooms that crowd out local wildlife. I feel really good about the first one, even though I feel like I would have seen pictures of people like that. There's that guy who who ate a bunch of carrots. Uh, He only ever ate carrots and he got turned turned orange. orange. Is that true? And then there was another, yeah. And then there was another guy who had like, who like ate silver nitrate all the time because he thought it was good for him and he turned blue. blue. And so I like heard about those the orange guy and the blue guy. I heard about both those guys. <laughs> but silver eye. Silver I feel eye like guy. I would have heard about silver eye. Yeah. So we're guessing on silver nanoparticles causing psoriasis and other diseases and a silver ring around the eye. We've got, they can oxidize and destroy cells or they can cause algae blooms by killing off bacteria in rivers that crowd out wildlife. The destroying cells sounds plausible because sure, that's our cells self-destruct all the time if something bad Uh-oh. happens in them it's <laughs> yeah. like ah something's wrong <laughs> and that's the thing that's, that's why the silver nanoparticles are antibiotic mm-hmm. because they cause cells to kill themselves yeah hmm. so oh no now that sounds plausible too <laughs> how am I supposed to decide if I just blow a bunch of silver nanoparticles on Stefan will he just die he'll explode, he explode. Yeah. <laughs> whoa <laughs> First, like, maybe I'll get a silver eye do it <laughs> yeah, it's the only way we'll know. There's only one way to know. And if neither of those happens, it's the last one. Yeah, yeah. For Sam's next magic trick, yeah. give us all silver eyes. Are yeah. algae going to be more resistant to the silver? Like if silver antimicrobial? I feel like yes. Okay. I think yeah. Like I think that it, it could be different. Like it could yeah. definitely be different. They're very different organisms. Yeah, and. A lot of things cause algae blooms. So, like fertilizer runoff yeah. is mm-hmm. enough to cause algae overgrowth. This is hard. Wild. It's hard, but 
I know the right answer. Oh, shoot. I'm guessing. Clarity, <laughs> oh, I don't oh, okay. actually know the right answer. <laughs> I'm going to go with the silver eye because okay. I think it's mm. great. Okay. It is very cool. I'm going to go with algae blooms because it sounds weird. And I know a medium amount of al- about algae blooms, but not this. And so I can add it to my algae blob in my brain. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with the second one. <laughs> spread right. it out. Okay. We're, we're going to spread whichever that whichever one that is. He doesn't know. I, they all sound <laughs> equally plausible They do to sound me. equally plausible. Mm-hmm. So the correct answer is number three. Ah! Nanoparticles go into water. And uh, so... That's basically the long and short of it. They end up in the thing and they kill and they decrease the amount of competition, basically. And Mm. there's too many nutrients in the water and the algae can bloom and crowd out everything. Um, I think that is kind of a little bit hypothetical right now. There have been studies on it that have shown that it does kill the beneficial bacteria in rivers. But then there was a little bit more concrete stuff that they're worried that it could interfere with wastewater treatment because it would end up in the tanks with the bacteria and it would like depress their ability to break stuff down Mm. Um, and that also ends up in fish and this one has a lot more research about it it looks like and it can cause like permanent gill inflammation and it takes Mm. them like six months Mm. to get those silver particles out of their bodies oh no just a bunch of little sick fish yeah they got permanent gill inflammation is a very bad band name (laughs) (laughs) So it's a jam band and they're kind of low energy. (laughs) Uh, So number one is not silver poisoning, it's copper poisoning. So So you get a ring? You get a copper ring around your eye. There's a picture of it on Wikipedia. (laughs) Uh, And then number two, the, the cell death thing. That maybe probably happens with with silver nanoparticles. I couldn't find anything about okay. it in particular. But platinum nanoparticles will very quickly mm. oxidize and kill um, cells, and they're studying it on ca- as a cancer treatment right oh. now. Mm. And it could potentially be just as effective at destroying cancer. Like they found it so far to be as effective at destroying cancer as chemotherapy with less side effects. Wow. That's That's awesome. So it was different metal nanoparticles, all of them. Yes. But only one of them. Different precious nano metal (laughs) whatever. But we just, but as discussed, copper is not a precious metal. Okay. Well, I was, you know, it was hard to find a bad gold one. Gold seems like it's okay for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Hit me with those gold nanoparticles. Gold all day long. Battle happens. Look, yeah. copper's precious to me. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't eat gold all day long. That's very expensive. Okay. Ooh. Next up, we're gonna take a quick break, and then it'll be time for the fact off. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Manukora Honey. Merriam-Webster defines honey as a sweet, viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees. And that's all good and fine, but old Miriam and Webster (laughs) used some words that I don't know and didn't really hit the mark when it comes to talking about Manukora honey. First off, Manukora isn't just sweet and viscid. It's got a rich, complex taste and a creamy, melt-in-your-mouth texture that you won't find in your average, everyday grocery store honey. And nectar of flowers doesn't cut it when you're talking about the nectar of the Manuka tea tree in New Zealand. The only nectar these bees feed on in the production of Manukora honey. In conclusion, Manukora ain't just your average boring dictionary defined honey. It's special honey. I know this firsthand. Uh, they sent us a jar, a squeeze bottle, and some honey sticks. And we've been sharing them around the office of their MGO 850 Plus, their best selling honey. It's not the same. <laughs> it's not <laughs> what you're thinking of when you think of honey. Look, 
Have you ever think to yourself, if like a company made grapes for the first time, we'd go nuts. I feel like honey (laughs) is this way where I'm like, if anybody like made this up, we'd be going out of our minds. But this is like if honey happened again. Did you like the honey, Sari? So I moved into a new place where there's no insulation in the walls. And so uh, I've been drinking a lot of tea. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that tea needs a little bit of honey. And I initially poured in this honey thinking it was going to be grocery store honey. And then I was like, that's different. And now it's a little uh, breakfast treat. It's a great breakfast treat because it's 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 a little like it's for toast. I could put like this on my butter toast and I'm like, oh, I'm having an experience. So Merriam-Webster also defines ultimate as the best or most extreme of its kind. Now that one fits Manukora to a T. Indulge in the best or most extreme sweet viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees from Manukora. If you head to manukora.com slash tangents, you can get $25 off their starter kit, which comes with the MG850 Plus Manuka Honey, a free travel pack of honey sticks, a free wooden spoon, and also a free guidebook. That's manukora.com slash tangents to get $25 off your starter kit. And we're back. Hank Buck totals, everybody. Uh, Sari's coming out with two. Sam's also got a score of two. Yes, because I fooled two people. Oh, right. I'll guess a different one. Yeah, yeah, we did. Only you got it right. Okay, now I understand. It all makes sense. (laughs) Uh And now it's time for the Fact Off, where Stefan and I have brought a science fact each to present to the others. And the others have to decide which fact is the most mind-blowing. And hopefully it's mine, because I'll get a Hank Buck. Or two, even. So I guess we're going to start off, since we're talking about metals today, we're going to go back and forth. Stephanie and I are going to name metal bands. Oh, cool. Interesting. Uh, Rings of Saturn. Pantera. Nile. Tool. In Flames. Aerosmith? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, no, I'm uh, Slipknot. Oh, yes. Coffin Burglars. Probably. It's probably a metal band. It's like Sam's going to have to judge this because these all sound fake. (laughs) I was going to look up Coffin Burglars real quick and see if it's a thing. Everything is a band. Coffin Burglars band. It's not. I could have just said Coffins. Coffins? Yeah. Coffins is a metal band. I should have just said Coffins. Uh, (laughs) Right. I guess that means I go first, or you get to choose who goes first. Oh, you can go first. Okay, I'm going to do it. So, alchemists are very much into gold. That was kind of the whole thing. They really want to be able to to make gold out of stuff that wasn't gold. And the key, they believed, was the mystical philosopher's stone, which, true to its role in Harry Potter, was supposed to provide the elixir of life that could help a person live forever. And also, it it would be capable of transmutation, turning more basic metals like lead into much more valuable uh, metals like gold. The only challenge was figuring out how to make the Philosopher's Stone. (laughs) And to this, ultimately fruitless end, alchemists had all kinds of ideas. Even Isaac Newton took a stab at it with a recipe that called for one part fiery dragon and some doves of Diana and at least seven eagles of mercury. So, in the 17th century, an alchemist named Henning Brand, Henning Brand, turned to a slightly less esoteric ingredient list than Newton was working off of, uh, water. 
And by water, I mean pee. Lots <laughs> of pee. Well, it's uh, golden color. Using this like alchemy cook, exactly. Using this alchemy cookbook, he needed uh, and and supposedly fifteen hundred gallons of human oh, urine. What? Yes. Brand thought that if he boiled, cooled, mixed, and distilled the pea enough and in the right ways, the final product would be the philosopher's stone. It turns out that he was wrong, but his efforts were not a total waste. As Brand finished up his distillation, the glass chamber filled with fumes that turned into a shiny white liquid that he named Phosphorus, after the oh, Greek oh. word for morning star or the planet Venus, hmm. the bringer of light. It took six years for Brand to be convinced that he hadn't actually created the Philosopher's Stone because it was a really weird, cool thing that he had made. But in that time, he had learned that this new thing could do a lot of cool stuff, like glow in the dark, for example, and explode a lot. And that's the story <laughs> of how the unsuccessful search for a way to turn lead into gold led to the discovery of phosphorus, which is the first time an element was discovered basically ever huh. that wasn't like a naturally occurring one that you would just find. Oh, cool. Oh, when did this cool. happen? In the 1700s. No, in the 17th century. So in the 1600s. In his, in his uh, initial attempts to create the Philosopher's Stone, he uh, bankrupted himself. Huh. But then mm. his wife died um, and oh, he was able to yeah. marry a rich widow. Oh, there Great. you go. So it turned Wonderful. out fine. And also his wife, his, the new widow, had a grown-up son who was able to help him in the lab a bunch. And also maybe pee. Oh, yeah, I'd imagine so. So maybe it was just he and his wife and his son peed a lot. <laughs> just yeah. keep drinking water. <laughs> but but he actually said in his notes that he preferred the pee of beer drinkers because it had oh. a more yellowish tint, which he thought Closer meant that it gold. was probably more concentrated more already. Huh. So the main thing that he did, first he let the pee sit out in the heat for a long time to uh -huh. become really gross and stinky. And then he <sighs> dist then he like distilled it. So he like got all of the water off oh. the pea. So it was like a syrupy pea sludge. How? Why? How long was he doing this for? Do you know? Took a lot of time, I think, to, to do it. He probably smelled really bad. I wouldn't, wouldn't want to like give him a kiss. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. yes. The the deodorization technology was not there back in the day. Oh, like, yeah, no. That like, had can you be imagine horrible. being like, my <laughs> wife died and I need to continue my alchemy. What he, woman can I find he, to marry to me? To marry the piss doctor. Like, distilled <laughs> Piss man. <laughs> but you don't advertise yourself as distilled piss man. In your Tinder bio, you write... Alchemist. Alchemist. Yeah. Yeah. Going to be make you very rich. Yeah. Going to find the secret to gold. Uh, and yeah. then a, sure. a woman might come along and yes. say, oh... I like gold. I like gold so much, I will put up with the pea sludge <laughs> yes, that you keep in the basement. I'll let you use my son as your assistant in, <laughs> yeah. with this pea sludge. And I will happily pee into the bucket for you. <laughs> yes, for you, my love. I mean, I guess and for the, the gold that you'll produce. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Stefan, time for go time. So earthquakes happen along fault lines. Uh -huh. uh, tectonic plates be moving around, getting real rowdy, and then you get an earthquake. Uh, and so along the fault, the rock is just kind of rubbing against each other. But uh, there are cracks, and they were calling them fault jogs here, that run out from the faults. Hmm. Um, and so those don't experience rubbing of like rock against rock when there's an earthquake. They just open up a little bit. Hmm. And so this study from 2013 was trying to figure out what happens in these cracks that are near the faults when there's an earthquake and they expand. Uh, and so we know that, like, a lot of gold deposits form from, like, hot 
mineral-laden fluids that are flowing through rock. Um, they just kind of take gold from throughout the rock and concentrate it and deposit mm, it in, okay. in cracks. And so the same thing in these fault line cracks, they're filled with these hot, pressurized, supersaturated fluids. So when there's an earthquake and they expand a little bit, um, that extra room causes an extreme drop in pressure. Okay. Uh, and so the example they used was if there was a magnitude 4 earthquake 11 kilometers below the surface could cause a 1,000-fold reduction in pressure. And so when that happens, the liquid expands to fill the space and basically instantly vaporizes. And so all the minerals and gold and stuff in the fluid is instantly deposited in these fault jogs in just a few tenths of a second. Whoa, what does that look like? It looks like a tiny gold vein. <laughs> that's, that's what it looks like. And, and like extremely tiny earthquakes that you could never feel, but we could only detect with like seismometers, um, can reduce the pressure enough to have this effect. But you could have hundreds of thousands of earthquakes per year, and over hundreds of thousands of years, like that can eventually build up into significant gold deposits. Right, okay. Because um, these cracks get ruptured again and again. I love it. And so potentially this could help us find new gold to mine, but also um, they think that understanding how the cracks repressurize after an earthquake can help us understand how that affects like how much the ground moves later. And so like predicting aftershocks, hmm. that could be helpful if they like incorporate fluid pressure into those equations. This is something that I know so little about that I wish I knew more about, like how crystals form, yeah. how like veins of metals occur in rocks. Yeah, that's how I feel. Like, because we've... We, we've known about, like, how the fluids, like, deposit right. gold over time, uh, just not that earthquakes can cause this, like, instant deposition. Mm -hmm. And then um, that happens over and over again? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, like, it just keeps re-rupturing, and then, like, there's these, just, like, it just keeps building up over time, the same mm -hmm. fault, and then you end up with a commercially viable vein. Oh. Mm. I like this one, though, because the thing about, like, you know, water vaporizes, but all the stuff in the water has to go somewhere. And yeah. so it like just rushes to the nearest <laughs> surface to be like, I need to crystallize somewhere, somewhere. This, <laughs> this water vapor is instantaneous. just like disappeared. All of my good, my solution is ended. <laughs> panic. <laughs> yeah. Panic goes. I, just, I, love, I love panic chemicals. <laughs> I love it when the chemicals panic. Yeah. Uh, so it's time for you guys to assign your points. Oh. I'm never not going to be on Dr. Piss's side. I got to get mine to Dr. Piss. <laughs> Dr. Piss has yeah. one point. <sighs> I did like Dr. Piss. It was very good. But I know nothing about geology. Me neither. And so the earthquakes depositing gold minerals and other things is yeah. very cool. It is a little cheating. Mine wasn't even really about precious metals. Yeah, there was no gold in pursuit. The pursuit of precious metals. The pursuit of precious metals. Yes. So I, I give my Hank Buck to Stefan. Thanks. Oh, all right. It's time for Ask the Science Couch, where we're going to ask some listener questions to our couch of finely honed scientific minds. Sam, hit me. All right. At Nits and Laughs asks, is there any reason people are more allergic to nickel over something like silver or gold? I didn't know people were allergic to nickel, so I should oh. just exit the science couch. Is that what turns you green? Is that an allergic reaction? Oh, that's no. that something totally different. That's copper. That okay. So people are allergic to nickel. That's more commonly seen in women for the sake of these studies um, because mm -hmm. of the jewelry wearing Sure. portion of right. the population because a lot of cheap or costume jewelry or like the stuff you buy at Target will be made of nickel. Hmm. It's like fairly abundant. Mm -hmm. So rings, earrings, 
Apparently, about 10 to 15% of the human population suffers from contact hypersensitivity to metals. And it's more in, again, the they've only studied in women versus men, but it's more common in women than men with about 10% in women versus 2% in men. And, I'm, and it seems like it is partially because of repeat exposure. So this right. is an allergy that is hmm. developed over time mm-hmm. as opposed to something that someone is necessarily born with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the more you're in contact with nickel then or, or other metal alloys that you can be allergic to, the more likely you are to develop a dermatitis allergic reaction to mm-hmm. it. If you're in that 15%, does that mean that you are allergic to all of a certain type of metal? Or is that 15% like some in the 15% are allergic to nickel, some are allergic to something else? Yeah, I think so. So okay. the one study had found that the three most prevalent metal allergies were to nickel to sulfate, um, which affects like the... Uh, larger section of the population, followed by cobalt chloride, which is about 5% of the population, and potassium dichromate, which is about 3% of the population. So there are different hypersensitivities to different metals, Mm -hmm. and then collectively it's like 10 to 15%. But nickel Mm. is the most prevalent, and we're not entirely sure why. Besides, maybe it's just in a lot of the things that we wear. Mm -hmm. So maybe a lot, like a lot of contact is happening Mm -hmm. combined with maybe some kind of your immune system is more likely to identify it as something that might be biological or some kind of invader. Yeah. Like it's just your immune system is more aware of it. Mm. Yes. Yeah. That is the thing that I didn't explain is what an allergy is. But (laughs) (laughs) an allergy is when your immune system reacts to something as though it is an invader, as though it is bad. And so Uh like mounts an immune response to it when really it doesn't particularly matter to your body. Right. Another part of this is that metallic nickel and nickel alloys are soluble under like water humid conditions oh. so kind of like what we were talking about in the definition section they're more the, reactive but yeah they're more reactive okay and, and so well it also soluble which means like easier to get into you yep yeah. so they like the sweat the salts and amino acids and compounds in human sweat can react with nickel to make it like ions break off and then yeah. it can absorb through your skin and then that causes like the release of certain immune chemicals or interacts with certain immune chemicals. Whereas something like gold is more resistant to chemical attack, like if it's more pure mm-hmm. and it doesn't ionize readily. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't in end up insi- inside of you as easily. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. But if people sure. are wearing gold or silver jewelry and having an allergic reaction to it, that's oftentimes because... Um, that kind of jewelry is plated with nickel and then plated with a thin layer of gold. And so those nickel Mm. ions can seep through the gold and into your skin. Mm. And so like more pure silver gold jewelry is usually recommended to people who have this kind of allergy because, I don't know, it's slightly more stable. Right. Slightly less likely to trigger this allergic reaction. In my very quick search of the internet, I was only able to find one study that sort of confirmed this but mm-hmm. they tested just with a patch test which is a pretty common allergy test where they just put a bunch of like very small samples of stuff on your skin mm-hmm. in this case because it's dermatitis that they're looking for and of 4,101 patients that were tested 33.5% of them had nickel allergies so I wow. think wow, that's a lot I'm of people. guessing that they searched specifically for people uh, who, right, who, who said sensitive. that they had an allergy. Okay. Yeah, or like who are already in for allergy testing or something like that. Right, right. Um, and so preface it with that. 
And we don't know why this happens. Not, we don't really know why any allergies oh happen. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's really annoying because it's yeah. a pretty big problem and it yeah. seems to be getting worse. <laughs> uh, and we have no idea why. Huh. Our immune systems appear to be getting worse. Like, they're not getting worse at being immune systems, but they're getting worse at, like, not being too good at being immune systems. Like throwing they're getting a lot of false flags. Yeah, throwing a lot of, yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, and so we're not sure what about, like, we can take guesses. Like, nickel can dissolve through your skin, and it interacts with these kinds of cells because we can do studies about mm-hmm. that. But why, in the first place, our bodies are overreacting to nickel in this way and in a way that's disproportionate to any other metal that yeah. we wear on our bodies? Mm-hmm. Why is that? I don't know. Is it because we've been wearing nickel stuff or using nickel in a lot of things across history? And so now something has changed in our DNA no one knows allergies are weird allergies are weird if you want to ask your question to the science couch follow us on twitter at scishow tangents where we will tweet out the topics for upcoming episodes every week thank you to at little chris at elliot sloan and everybody else who tweeted us your questions this week Final scores! I came in with one. Stefan came, came in with one. We got a tie for first between Sari and Sam. Hooray. Hooray. I don't think I've won in a long time. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations yeah, feels on your good. barely a win. Yeah. <laughs> Shared win. <laughs> Shared victory. If you like this show and you want to help us out, you could do that in a bunch of ways. You can leave us a review wherever you listen. You can also tell us what topic you think we should cover while you're leaving that review, because we'll be looking at iTunes reviews for topic ideas. For future episodes. Second, you could tweet out your favorite moment from this episode because I love reading about those. And finally, if you want to show your love for SciShow Tangents, just tell people about us. If you want to read more about any of today's topics, check out scishowtangents.org to find links to all our sources and maybe a picture of a weird person's eyeball or a normal person's weird eyeball. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for joining us. I have been Ant Green. I've been Sari Riley. I've been Stefan Jim. I've been Sam Schultz. SciShow Tangents is a co-production of Complexly and the awesome team at WNYC Studios. It's created by all of us and produced by Caitlin Hoffmeister and Sam Schultz, who also edits a lot of these episodes along with Hiroko Matsushima. Our sound design is by Joseph Tuna Medish. Our social media organization organizer is Victoria Bongiorno, and we couldn't make any of this without our patrons on Patreon. Thank you, and remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be lighted. But one more thing. Oh. So there's a researcher who's studying waste sludge, tracking how metals and nanomaterials and various things that we use, like Mm -hmm. soaps and detergents and whatever, uh, how they were flowing into the environment. So he took a bunch of these sludge samples from across the U.S. There's apparently a place called the National Sewage Sludge Repository. Oh, oh, all right. Where do they keep that? Uh, I don't know. Indianapolis, Indiana, (laughs) almost definitely. (laughs) But so he was looking at the samples with an electron microscope, and he noticed a small amount of gold. And sort of thought it might be a fluke, a contamination. So he, like, was double-checked. Uh, investigated further and came to find that in these samples, there's gold, platinum, silver, and other precious metals in the waste. And uh, the gold was at one part per million. Some of the other ones were at different concentrations, but... That's pretty concentrated. They don't know where it's coming from. They 
or you hypothesize maybe gold faucets or dental fillings or like if you, the gold leaf that you use on foods or if you're uh-huh. like chugging gold schlager or something right. like gold, that. Right, it's all it's 100% the gold schlager. Gold schlager. <laughs> but in the US, it seems like everyone is pooping out about $13 worth of precious metals per year. Oh, wow. <laughs> we got to mine the turds. Oh my god. Wow. That's astounding. <laughs> It's not that as much as I was hoping, you know. <laughs> government check for thirteen dollars. Yeah. Yeah. This is Gold. how we're, this is how we're gonna get to universal basic income, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> it's just gonna all Your sell our shit. Dividend. 